Good day. Welcome to uh, the sermon part of our service this morning. We're back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and 5, particularly the verses at the end. And we're going to try and continue where we left off last week. So if you missed that, you may want to listen online. So we began with 16, 17 and 18, focusing on 16, be joyful always. Now today, pray continually. Pray continually. We asked, what are we to do amidst COVID, suffering, hardships, and trials, uncertainties, and darkness, pain, suffering? What are we to do? The apostle tells us that whatever may be happening around us, here's where the Christian finds their peace, their solace. Being joyful always, we looked at that last time today, praying continually, praying continually. I remember some years back now, uh, my first church, it's been a, been a few years, um, it was a church that had an emphasis on prayer, regularly praying, gathering to pray, there was a weekly prayer meeting, um, and we used to have all-night prayer meetings. I remember one of those all-night prayer meetings. It was a youth one. So we had these time slots throughout the evening where we had an hour or so where we would pray together, and then an hour or two when we didn't, when someone else, another group, were praying. Uh, we played table tennis <laughs> and uh, had supper and all sorts of stuff, and, uh, you know, uh, shot some pool balls. Uh, but even in that all-night prayer meeting, we weren't really praying all night. And even when we had our, our slot in our group, we didn't pray all the time then either because different members of the group prayed. And so the point I'm trying to make is, you know, how do you pray continually? As Paul suggests here or instructs us to do, how do we pray continually? Well, that's what we want to look at <laughs> together. Our heading is pray continually, taken straight from these verses. And let me, we're going to ask, what is Paul envisaging? Because he can't obviously mean this literally. Although, if we were to look at the literal rendering of, of the Greek used here, it means to pray ceaselessly. That means don't stop. And yet, we know that Paul didn't pray ceaselessly. I mean, there were times when he was writing, there were times when he was locked away when he, when he was on trial, when he was travelling, when he was with other people, when he's preaching. Uh, he obviously didn't pray ceaselessly. Or did he? And I guess that's what we're asking. Here's what a Bible commentator, J.B. Lightfoot, adds, adds to these verses in his explanation. It's not in the moving of the lips, but in the elevation of of the heart to God, that the essence of prayer consists. Did you hear that? It's not in the moving of the lips, but in the elevation of the heart, that the essence of prayer consists. The essence is really the heart of the matter, isn't it? And Lightfoot's comments here give us some light, if you like, into how we can you know, respond to Paul's instruction and be praying ceaselessly or, or continually. 
You see, contrary to popular belief, prayer isn't all about babbling away to God. It's not, is it? We, we know that, don't we? Remember what Jesus said himself in his, in his great sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, and when you pray, do not be like babbling pagans. For they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them because your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Do you see that? Prayer is far more than merely moving lips. Prayer at His heart, as J.B. Lightfoot reveals, prayer at His heart is the elevation of the heart to God. It's about being engaged with God. And you can see already, can't you, that such a state could exist no matter what we're doing. And so here's the reality about prayer. If we're serious about prayer and want to pray in, in response to Paul's instruction, and it's not just here. I mean, all through his letters, he's, he's talking about praying and, and the importance of it. Philippians 4, uh, Sid used it in his prayer earlier, Colossians 2, that we're not to give up in prayer. Ephesians, praying with all kinds of prayer, Ephesians 6. Uh, and so uh, that the Paul has a lens, gives, him, gives a lot of weight to prayer. And so if we're to be serious about prayer, the first lesson is that in prayer we need to learn to Shut up. <laughs> Seriously. The next time we, we gather for prayer or we're about to pray, we'd do well if the first thing we did when we came to prayer is to shut up. Okay? Whereas I would normally say back in the black country in the UK, you shut up. Okay? Prayer really needs to begin with some silence. So when we pray at church, when we have home group prayer, we, we all bow our heads and, uh, you know, if I'm leading my group, I may say, Look, well, let's come to prayer. And within a few moments, one after another, people are saying prayers. Me too. I think perhaps we need to take a step back. And next time when it's the prayer time, we just need to be silent. Perhaps we don't need to be so embarrassed about or uncomfortable with moments, even prolonged moments of silence when we gather to pray. True prayer, you see, true prayer is about communing with God, engaging with Him. It's about having our hearts, our heads in the clouds, if you like, in heaven. It's about, it's about communing from soul to soul with God. Here's what Another commentator, Leon Morris, writes, It is not possible for us to spend all our time with the words of prayer on our lips, but it is possible for us to be all our days in the spirit of prayer. You see that? We can't always be speaking in prayer, but we can be in the spirit of prayer. And he continues, Realising our dependence on our God for all we have and are, being conscious of his presence with us wherever we may be, and yielding ourselves continually to him to do his will. You see those important points he's making? It's about this dependency exhibited 
in a state of mind where we are connected with God. It's about being conscious of his presence. That's praying. It's about being aware of God's presence. And it's about yielding ourselves, surrendering ourselves to him. Prayer then incorporates words some of the time. Sometimes, sure. Whether verbally or in our hearts or in languages that that, uh, others can't understand. But often, and much of prayer, it seems, includes prolonged silences. can be done simultaneously to numerous other things. I know of a guy, and I won't mention his name to save uh, embarrassment, uh, but he could be drilling a hole in a wall and be praying. And, and that's how it, this works, is to be a state of heart whereby we're engaged, we're always engaged with God. And there'll be times when we meditate on God, on his character, on his attributes, on the wonder of who he is. There'll be times when we reflect on his word, what we've read or what comes to our mind. And we'll be mulling through that in our hearts and minds. Uh, there'll be moments when we'll just be absolutely silent. Moments where we will just be quiet in God's presence. Hearing, listening. I wonder sometimes if one of the reasons we're always so desperate to hear from God is because we can't hear him (laughs) in all our talking. And look, if you're anything like me, you know, if talking is a part of who you are, it's a difficult lesson, it's a difficult discipline. That even in prayer, is to cease and just be silent before God. There's a movie there, there are a series of movies that I enjoy watching, and, and in them there's a character who, who can read minds. Um, and, and so if he encounters someone new, it doesn't even need to be in their proximity. But instead of talking to them, he'll just listen to their thoughts, to their minds. Do you know, sometimes when we bow in prayer, it'd be good for us just to allow God just to receive what's on our hearts from our hearts just to come to prayer before God, with the weight of the world on our shoulders, sometimes it seems. And just to say, God, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. And just stay there in that moment. And and let our souls hook up and communicate with our Creator. We really don't need words when it comes to God because he doesn't just read minds, he knows minds. Look, here's what this psalmist Paul says. Uh, not Paul. Uh, the psalmist David says, one, Psalm 139, popular words, O Lord, you've searched me and know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways and before a word before a word is on my tongue, okay? And it's before I've even thought it, before it gets to my tongue, 
Again, if you haven't got much space between the brain and your tongue like me, then that, that doesn't take long, does it? Okay? So before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, Lord. Wow. Do you see the light that sheds on prayer and a necessity to be saying something? And likewise, have you ever wondered why the Lord's Prayer is so short? I mean, there's hardly anything to it, and especially the version in Luke. And I think it is a different instant where Jesus gives an instruction. I mean, the disciples, I mean, I think it's... Look, the Bible is full of humour. We just don't always see it. It's lost in translation and culture, if you like. But I think this, this is hilarious, really. The disciples... Always, they were always nervous about approaching Jesus with questions. Uh, you know, rightly so. You know, he, he was God. And, and so they mustered up enough courage to ask him a very significant question. Lord, here it is. Uh, Lord, teach us to pray. Luke 11. Lord, teach us to pray. It's a good question. A great one. And look, after all that, witnessed Jesus spending hours in prayer, whole nights. Luke 6, one of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. So Jesus was the oracle of knowledge for prayer. And so they sit down, they get the notebooks out, I'm sure, they settle in for the evening. If the Sermon on the Mount was a long sermon, and I know we've got it over a couple of chapters, but that sermon probably went on for an entire day. Okay, so no complaining the next time my sermons are 14 minutes. I mean, okay, fair enough. Listening to, to me is not quite on par with, with listening to Jesus. Okay, I'll, I'll concede that point. But look, they listen to Jesus, they get ready to listen to Jesus expecting... A mammoth, okay, a delivery from Jesus on how you pray. This is going to be comprehensive. Boy, okay, and yet this is what he says, Luke 11, 2. He said to them, when you pray, get ready for this, okay? Settle in, get a cup of tea, okay? Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. And that's it. That was it. You can imagine Peter and John. I love Peter and John, particularly Peter, but the two of them have got this great camaraderie. You see it in different places. You see it on and the Last Supper. And you can imagine in this situation, John, you know, come on to Pete, come Pete, Pete. You know, has he started? You know, I was just tucking in my garments, you know, and I heard him say a few things, but has he started? And Peter, his response will be like, well, I don't know. I'm not John. I mean, he said a couple of things about bread uh, and forgiveness, but I'm assuming it's going to start now, so, so get ready. And yet... That was it. It's not by chance, is it? That Jesus' prayer, the quintessential prayer. Let me tell you this. People are always asking me, you know, you know, what aid can I get for prayer to help me pray? You know, and, and there's this book or that book or there's this model or that model. And I'm like, 
What is the matter with you? Just do what Jesus said. The Lord's Prayer, you know, this is a bit of an aside, but Jesus' prayer is the quintessential prayer. It's the model for prayer. It's better than every other model you've ever been given. No matter what anybody's ever said to you about prayers and models, I'm sure they're good, but you cannot beat Jesus' model. If you want a model, if you want to know how to pray, this is it. And one of the key things that comes out of this is the brevity of words that Jesus uses here. Christian, remember then, Jesus, our God, knows our thoughts, our struggles and difficulties, our environment, ever before we convey a word, ever before the thought process ricochets through our head, before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. And so you can see, can't you then, the instructions to pray continually is a call to be as, as the Apostle John was on, on Patmos in Revelation, Revelation 1. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. How do we pray continually? We need to be in the Spirit continually. That means, doesn't it, first and foremost, we believe in Jesus. We've received his spirit. He fills us, indwells us. And it means to engage with his spirit, to be in communion with him, uh, uh, being led by him, receiving instruction by him, usually by the word and confirmation in hearts, sometimes just supernaturally, something planted in our hearts. It means that we are with God. Here's what Beale, the commentator, explains. During our daily activities, we must focus on the task at hand. If your job is as a driver, you better keep your eyes on the road, okay? (laughs) Incidentally, we do not need to close our eyes to pray, right? Okay, so as Beale says, during our daily activities, we must focus on the task at hand. You know, we're not to be blasé about our responsibilities, But we should never lose sight of God in our spiritual peripheral vision. Do you see that? I'm looking straight ahead uh, at a camera. And yet I can see lots of things around me. Seriously, and we know that, don't we? And that's the point, that we must focus on what we've got to do in the day, especially if you're driving a car, okay? But... We should never lose sight of God in our spiritual peripheral vision. He should always be, and Bill is quoting somebody else here, okay, he should always be in the background of our consciousness. Hey, look, let me just use some modern IT jargon. Look, if you use Bluetooth, uh, you know, I'm using a Bluetooth device just now, okay? It's telling me what to preach so that I get it right. It's not really. It's not right. That's always, un- that's always not always right. I hope it's right. Yeah, maybe it's not always great. But look, I'm using Bluetooth t- to technology and think about I have this technology on my phone. I have this technology in my car. And it's, always, it's always on. The minute I go anywhere near my car, as long as the ignition is on, my phone and my car communicate together. 
sometimes I, I, I can be outside doing a job and all of a sudden I, I, I lose the conversation on the telephone because it's now been diverted to my car because these things are con constantly in communication. I think we need to be Bluetooth to God. This continual connection of being online and at times in that connection we may use words for sure but other times perhaps more times we'll be silent we'll be listening we'll be thoughtful meditative reflective maybe in anguish sorrow you know sometimes in prayer I do this, <laughs> don't tell anyone. Just cry. Hey, what tears are powerful communicates, aren't they? And, and this is the point. We don't have to always say something. And therefore, pray continually, pray continually, when we look at it like this, is now something within our grasp? Something that we can do? We can go through an entire day having been prayerful, having prayed without ceasing, as it were, if we consider that prayer is much more than shutting ourselves away in a closet, much more than using words, much more than just closing your eyes. Prayer is ultimately, we call it J.B. Lightfoot earlier, is communing, let me just get it back up here, communing, being conscious, or here's the words, the elevation of the heart to God. Wow, that's beautiful, isn't it? Just beautiful, it encapsulates prayer. I'm going to and come to a close I've spent a lot of time just explaining what prayer is but what is it in this context we're to pray that's what we're to do continually that's how we're to do it but why in particular does Paul point us to prayer firstly remember he says this is about God's will it's God's will for us and he's writing to the Thessalonians and, and here's why first of all he tells the Thessalonians to be joyful always that's his first instruction okay his second, and the third we'll hopefully look at next time, but the second instruction is to pray continually. And Paul does this. Here's the context of the letter. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 is in the context of a church that's suffering. Suffering for Jesus, but a church that's suffering is in trouble, is in hardship. 1 Thessalonians 2.14 You suffered from your own countrymen. The same things the church has suffered from the Jews. 1 Thessalonians 3, 3 and 4. So that no one will be unsettled by these trials. You know, know quite well that we were destined for them. He's writing to a church that's struggling, facing trials, persecution, hardships. And his instruction to them is, Christian, listen, please listen to this. His, his, his instruction to them in their struggles, pain, is to pray ceaselessly. It's to be in prayer 
constantly. Moreover, uh, here's a church that's, that's facing bereavement. Perhaps a number of, of their members being taken home to be with the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve by the rest of men who have no hope. And he explains how heaven is their destiny, how we're going to meet those who've gone ahead of us, how we're going to be reunited to them. Hey, it's a side issue. It's okay to be longing for, looking forward to, being reunited with loved ones who've died in the Lord. You know, sometimes it can be so spiritual that it's, you know, and I hear terms like this, and look, oh, it's all about Jesus. When I get to heaven, it's just about Jesus. Yes, it is about Jesus, but also be about reuniting. Paul says so. Okay? Don't feel guilty, bad, that as well as seeing heaven, being with Jesus rather, that you're looking forward to those who've gone ahead of us. Hey, I have many dear friends who've gone ahead of me. Most recent, dear Kathleen, we heard her testimony some, a few weeks back. 105, 104, 105. The Lord called her home. I'm looking forward to seeing Kathleen again. And see, and so in bereavement, Paul tells us, instructs us, be prayerful. Take out some time. Spend it along with God. It's there that you'll find solace and peace and be enabled to be joyful. And we'll see next week to even give thanks. He writes to a church too who are uncertain about the future. About, end, about the end, about end times, about Jesus' return, about what will become of them and their response to that, that they are concerned about tomorrow. Now, brothers, 1 Thessalonians 5, now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Paul's word to a church facing uncertainty about the future about Jesus, about his return, instructs them to be prayerful continually. Hey, in COVID and whatever else that may be happening in our lives, there's a lot of uncertainty, isn't there? About tomorrow, about our future, about how things will transpire, what's going to happen with employment, and whatever else it may be. And Paul says to them, as he says to us. Remember, he wanted this letter read to all the churches. That, that includes living word, <laughs> Bible church. It does. And what Paul wants us to do when we face uncertainties is to pray without ceasing. Is to continually be in prayer. Christian in COVID, in hardships, in loss, in bereavement, in uncertainty, in suffering. Paul lays down a general principle for what God's will for us is. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, in verse 17, he instructs us to pray ceaselessly. 
pray continually. So dear friends, brothers and sisters in Jesus, when, the, when it gets hard, when it gets tough, don't run from God. Don't stay away from church, I often say that. But here, in particular now in context, don't stay away from prayer. Okay, in those circumstances, in those moments, you can't say anything, you've got nothing to say, but good! It's not the time to say things, perhaps. But the time to be bowing before God. Letting our soul. We'd be wise when, we, when we're upset and angry with God or bewildered. Instead of communicating with our voices and saying unwholesome things to God, it's just let our souls commune with Him. Hey, be in prayer much. In today's times, in these times, there's a call from Scripture on us. Pray continually. We know that hymn, don't we? The, the famous hymn about prayer. What a friend we have in Jesus. And it's beautiful words. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? Should We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Yeah. Take it to the Lord. In prayer. What's the Christian's response in all that we face? Be joyful always. Pray continually. And next time we'll look at give thanks in all circumstances. Amen.